Uh, I'm going to find out here right away. Sorry, I didn't realize that. Oh, wait, we're live. Apparently, we've been live for seven minutes. So, welcome into Jets Nation Radio, episode 18 there, folks. Uh, sorry if you're sitting and waiting for the last seven minutes, but uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so a couple of housekeeping things, uh, make sure to check out jetsnation.com and, or uh, dot, yeah, dot com. Uh, we have all the articles going up with a few more writers, uh, writing for us and we might have a couple new friends joining us here on the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good jazz and, uh, welcome in Darnell. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. It's, uh, back to the extreme cold weather. So not, uh. Not ideal by any means, but uh, happy to be back on the show chatting some Jets hockey. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's been a rough week uh, for the last, well, the last four games were pretty rough to be a Jets fan. It wasn't like the Jets played horribly all three games. They just lost. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's how, that's how it's going to work sometimes. Like, even when you play good, at times you're going to, you know, you're going to lose hockey games. But it just seems like for this Jets team, they're losing, they're playing okay, but they're finding ways to lose. They're not winning games when they're playing just okay. And that's what I think is separating them from, you know, being a top echelon team or, you know, higher than they certainly are in the standings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking back at that Nashville game, the Jets forgot to show up for the first period and forgot to show up for the, last, or for the first 15 minutes of the third period. So they had 23 minutes of hockey or 25 minutes of hockey under them that they're playing well. It just, it wasn't their night and Hellebuck is off. It almost seems like these days. Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I, and I think we've chatted about this in the past, but I haven't been a big Connor Hellebuck fan. I'm not sold on Connor Hellebuck by any means. I mean, you look at some of his statistics, a 280 goals against average and a 913 save percentage. That's the 17th best save percentage among goalies with 15 games played and 23rd in goals against average. Those, those stats just don't conduce to winning hockey games. They're okay, perhaps, but they're below average. They're not good enough. So yes, you know, the jets aren't scoring a lot of goals. They only have 111. There's only two teams in the central division that have fewer than that in Arizona and Chicago. No, they're not scoring comparatively. I mean, you look at Florida who has 170 goals, but at the end of the day, when they're not scoring, Connor Hellebuck, he's always talked about being this all-star goaltender, Vesna Trophy winner, of course, and it, he could maybe lead this team to the promise line, but he has to be better, and there's no doubt about that. Well, do you think it's, he's played too much within the last couple of years and we're starting to see that fatigue, or what? what's up with him? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, yes, he hasn't played a lot, but you look at goaltenders on other teams like Andre Vasilevsky, all these top-end goalies, are playing a ton of games every single season, year by year by year. So I don't think you can use the excuse he's played too much over the past couple of years. I've never been sold on him. I don't think he's the goaltender that you want when it comes down to crunch time. And that's my honest opinion on Connor Hellebuck. It always has been. It always likely will be unless he turns things around. So I don't think it I, – I think it's easy. An easy excuse is to say, yeah, he's played too much, seen too much rubber – over the past few years, I think that's way too easy. That's a cop-out. I don't believe that's the case. I just think at the end of the day, he has to be better when he's between the pipes, whether that's preparing differently, whatever he needs to do. But he needs to show that 
he's a legit Vesna guy and it wasn't just a one-off. Well, um, my theory is, is that it's the Jets defensemen within the last two seasons that haven't done him any sort of favors. And that's almost what's hindering him at this point is he's seen too much rubber and like from high quality spots. Well, and that, no, that's a hundred, that's a hundred percent. And you know, the consistently you're, you're not seeing that consistent effort from the Jets decor. And it, it's tough too when, you know, guys are missing games with COVID injuries it's tough to get that consistency. You have, you know, rookies coming into the lineup, like we chatted last week, Sandberg. Uh, you know, you have different guys moving. You have different parts moving game in and game out. So it's hard to get that consistency. But with that being said, these guys are professionals. They need to I, – I don't know what whether it comes down to preparation, uh, enhance their preparation a little bit more, or just getting down to business because they have the capability of being – a pretty good hockey club. Just some last last lackluster efforts is just really holding them back from making any sort of damage in this league. Yeah, yeah. It was just it's been a rough go for the Jets for the few, last few years, and we kind of talked about it last week, where it's just like maybe it's not on Paul Maurice, and like you really can't point a finger at Shevel Dayoff at this point. He lost Dustin Bufflin to unfortunate circumstances with Bufflin leaving, so it just. The Jets are in a weird predicament, and that's the only way I can look at them right now is they kind of got a bad hand of cards. Well, and and then I, I think this has a trickle-down trickle support from the support as well. Their home opener this season was the first home opener since they returned back to Winnipeg the second time for 2.0 that it wasn't a sellout, and you're you're seeing more tickets on the market that you can – you know, in the first couple of years, you wanted to buy a ticket for a Jets game – you were spending a pretty penny. You don't see that anymore. So I think you're starting to see some frustration from the fan base. And once that is the case, that can be pretty demoralizing for an organization. I know that's not, you know, at the end of the day, doesn't make a huge difference, but you, you really do want to have a fan base that is behind you, that supports you, that truly does at the end of the day, believe in you. Because I know these are professional athletes, but if you have, you know, 15,000, 14,000, 13,000 fans in the arena that don't believe in you, that's tough on a professional athlete. I really do believe because fans just enhance it. They make it tougher for other teams to play in the barns. And you, you don't, I just don't see that same. I know the Jets haven't played in Winnipeg for what seems to be like three years now because of COVID restrictions in the province. But I just don't seem to see that atmosphere in the arena that and that buzz that you saw, you know, a couple of years ago when and, and leading into parts when they came back for 2.0. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm sure the fans would be just livid right now with the amount that uh, Connor Hellebuck leaves his net. It, it It's just, and I know you, you related it to Mike Smith, but Mike, that's what Mike Smith does. And he, he does a real nice job of it. I don't know why Connor Hellebuck and Hellebuck, in my opinion, isn't the greatest mover laterally or any way by any means. He's not the quickest of goaltenders. I don't know why he needs to leave the net to try and make things tougher on him. It, it just really doesn't make any sense. Stay in your own net unless you're you know, a puck-playing goaltender, as is Mike Smith, as are some other goalies in the NHL. But for Connor Hellebuck, there's no reason for him to leave the net to touch the puck for half a second. And sometimes that half a second, then the team can't get it out. You're hemmed in the, your own end, and then a puck ends up in the back of the net. So for, for some reason beyond my understanding, 
believes he needs to be playing the puck more often outside of the crease. And in my humble opinion, really isn't the case. And something that the goaltending coach, I believe Wade Flaherty is still the goaltending coach there in Winnipeg, has to chat with Connor to stay in your net. Focus on what you have to do in making saves opposed to playing the puck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like at least, I don't know. I, as, when I was watching the Oilers a lot more and when Mike Smith was actually playing, hit, like it was the same thing. It was where I was always nervous about Mike Smith leaving the net. And although Mike Smith can move the puck up really well, I even heard this from Calgary fans, but you, there's a moment of no, please get back in your net. And it's just, it's getting annoying watching goaltenders leave the crease. Like growing up, I don't remember a whole lot of goaltending goalies trying to leave the net, especially right after that um, rule change after the 2005 lockout. No. And I, I think goalies are just trying to be too fancy these days. They, um, you know, they, it's a fad. They think it's cool when they can get outside, go out in their crease and play the puck. There really isn't a need for it, especially with how fast this game is these days. Like you're seeing way too efficiently, not even Connor Hellebuck, just goaltenders in general, that when they play the puck, they often, you know, more than in a higher percentage than should be, they screw up and the puck ends up in the back of the net or with a good chance for the other team because they didn't realize that they had a couple of forwards barreling in on them at high speed. The game is so fast these days. It happens so quickly. And, you know, these teams are strategically dumping in the puck in situations where they believe goaltenders are going to go for that puck. And then all of a sudden two forwards are in on that puck real quick. And that turns into an opportunity. You're not paid to play the puck goaltenders. You're really not. You're, you're paid to save the puck. So stay in your net, stay in your crease. You don't have to be the hero. You don't have to be the cool guy that's going to try to score a goal like the, in the AJHL, the first goalie goal last week. You don't have to try and be some sort of hero. Just make the save at the end of the day, and that's all that's going to matter because it's not often that you're going to see a goaltender make an incredible play. You're just going to see a goaltender stopping it behind the net and then wrapping it around the wall. At the end of the day, what's cool about that? There's nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a sad fad. I'm not a fan of it. And yeah, Hellebuck's the last guy I want to ever see to leave the net. Um, so the real big question of the week, uh, Cole Perfetti, NHL games. Uh, once he hits number 10, he, he burns the first year of his ECL. Is it worth burning that? Or should the Jets, like, do the Jets make a big push? Do they think they're at playoff contenders? Or do they want to just wait another year on Perfetti? I, I honestly I don't think I don't think it's a wise move. I don't think there's a reason why you would send him down. I understand you know you burn that one, that year of eligibility, but at the end of the day, I think Cole Perfetti is showing what he can do. He he dominated in the American Hockey League. He had six goals and 15 points uh, with the Manitoba Moose to start the season. So he dominated the American Hockey League. We saw what he did at the World Juniors. He was like a man playing against boys. So this guy is an elite level talent. We know that we knew that coming in. We just didn't know how quick it would translate to having success in the NHL. You saw him score his first NHL goal and uh, incredible scene. He just, I, I can't believe I actually scored that goal. That's how much it meant to him. I think he's a guy who is, would benefit more from playing in the NHL with the best of the best opposed, opposed to going down to the American hockey league, still a top end league, but you have a lot of young guys that, are trying to work their way up as far as where you're in the NHL, you're at the highest league possible. So I think 
Cole Perfetti is going to benefit from the leadership on the Jets. I think he's going to benefit from playing against the top players in the National Hockey League. I really do. I think, you know, point production, obviously, it's likely not going to be there this season. Nice to see his first goal. But I don't see a reason why the Jets move him back to the Manitoba Moose. I think he sticks with the Jets. And I think, you know, moving forward, this guy is going to be a stud. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think that he should just tear it up in the AHL, just build on that confidence and just, like, that way he knows in five when he's seeing these guys play in the NHL that he can still dominate them and still, like, just work them over because, I don't know. At this point, I think the Jets... The Jets are at a crossroads where it's, like, they, we, they've obviously shown that they're not good enough to compete with the best of the best, so... Why would they go for a playoff push if they know they're not going to win it this year? Like, I know it's just 16 games to win, but why why waste our own time, right? Why not build for the future of where we can win the cup? Yeah, I I think it I think again it just it dwindles down to getting that experience. It, it really is so so very valuable, and I understand. Yeah, the Jets aren't at the space right now where. They're going to make a push for the Stanley Cup, uh, barring any, you know, miracle trades or anything goes down. This isn't a team that is going to make that kind of noise, but I, I, a noise. But I really do believe Cole Perfetti, how he can benefit by playing in the NHL opposed to the AHL, where we know he's going to light it up in the AHL, and you know he's going to probably average a point per game. That's what he was doing in his first 17 games. He was, or I should say, almost averaging a point a game with six goals and nine assists. He's not going to have that point production in the NHL, but what he's going to get, I think the benefits, I think the pros outweigh the cons with his opportunity of playing in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. And I just don't see a reason. I don't think he's given a reason to be sent down to the American Hockey League. I think you see in so many cases, players play their way out of opportunities in the National Hockey League, young or old. I think Corvetti has played his way in to be a consistent everyday guy. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I, would, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be a fan if he did. But again, that's just my thoughts. Cole Perfetti is here to stay with the Jets. And if I do believe so, I, th I think we lost Angus. Internet connection issues, that happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, but at the end of the day, for the Winnipeg Jets, I think you have to keep Cole Perfetti. It's, it, it just has to get done. It was nice to see Blake Wheeler also get on the scoreboard. But this is a Winnipeg Jets team that has to find a way to hunker down and get the puck into the back end of that. That, that is something that is a far-gone conclusion only 111 goals for, as I mentioned, that is far, far, far too low. When you compare it to, uh, you know, Florida, who has 59 goals for more, only Chicago and Arizona have less goals scored. No team with winning records have scored less in this league. Not one single team with a winning record has scored less than the Winnipeg Jets. So scoring is the key to success. I mean, they've only given up 114 goals. That's not bad. That, that is not a terrible amount of goals given up. 
but they have to get down dirty. They have to get in the offensive zone. I think go down to the basics. You're seeing, in my opinion, for the Jets trying to do perhaps a little bit too much offensively, forcing the issue, and and in the end, it starts to become an issue. So I think it's just getting down to the nitty-gritty and getting it done offensively and then moving from there. This team has to score more goals. That is the only possible way that they're going to get back into any sort of race for not only a playoff spot, but a race to, you know, try and win a championship or get into the first round of the playoffs. And I think we really lost him. And the problem is, I am not sure if we are still live on YouTube. So let's go to the YouTuber. Just watching some college basketball. Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks up seven points on Texas Tech, who uh, are the 13th ranked team in the country. Kansas, number five, college ball, basketball. What, one of my favorites. I love uh, love watching. All right, JetsNation.com. Going to the YouTube page. What's up, Jets? Now, that is the... New York Jets, so obviously that's not the case. But we'll get there. Hey, there's Angus. Hey, are we back? We're back, I believe. Oh, deadly. So, that's great to hear. I heard a little bit of you saying that the Jets need to score more. I approve of that. I wasn't sure if you were listening. I wasn't sure if anyone was listening. But I decided, hey, the show had to go on. But now you're back. So now the better show. Well, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, we're back. People can listen to this stream app. And uh, yeah, I don't know about the folks on uh, Spotify, how well they're going to be listening because they probably heard me freaking out just a little bit. But that's okay. Um, so either way, uh, let's let's carry on. Um, do the Jets need to panic or did, did we cover that already? I think yes, a, a little bit. I think there has to be some panic, but at the same time, I I don't know, I don't know how much panic is going to go because I I think the Winnipeg Jets, they surely they realize that they aren't a championship caliber team, or perhaps they do. If they think they're a championship team, I mean they're only three points out of the wild card right now, only three points behind the Dallas Stars who are in action tonight, and they beat the Philadelphia Flyers. So. If the Jets believe they have what it takes to try and make a run, then yes, there's some panic because obviously it's been an underwhelming season, safe to say. I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know what is going on in there, but they're at 17, 14, and 7 for just 41 points in their 38 games. They're 4, 4, and 2 in their last 10 games, and they're 7, 8, and 6 on the road. So if they think they have the capabilities of making a run, yeah, there's there has to be a lot of panic in that dressing room, and yet you have to hit some sort of button to try and reset. I know it's tough when you lose your long-term head coach and then Dave Lowry, the assistant coach, moves up at the helm to be a head coach. 
it's been a tough situation. You know, you're not getting the chance to play any home games because of capacity restrictions on the road for so long. You mingle in talks of perhaps moving to Saskatoon, moving parts because of COVID-19. You've had players in and out of the lineup. Your captain, Blake Wheeler, goes out long-term, and now he's back, thankfully back. Well, I don't know if thankfully is the word, but nice to see him back in the lineup in Blake Wheeler because that brings at least some stability back to this team. So it's been a tough season, but every team is going through the same sort of thing other than the fact, you know, capacity restrictions south of the border. No team has been doing that because life south is a lot different than it is right now in Canada. So there's, if this is a team that is saying, yeah, we're in a little bit of a rebuild or, you know, looking towards the future, I don't think you hit a panic button at all because you're still playing okay, mediocre hockey at times. But just to reiterate, if this is a team that believes they have what it takes to make a run, then certainly you have to hit that panic button and you have to realize the issues and start performing at a higher level than you are right now. So you say the term rebuild. Do you think that the Jets are in need of a rebuild, or do they just need like a little restructuring? Like, yeah, I, what, what, I, yeah what's I, the answer here? Do they just need? A... I think I think rebuild perhaps is a, a little bit of a str- too strong of a term. For sure, they do need a restructuring. That at the very least, they need a restructure. Now, but would a rebuild, I guess, be the worst situation? For a team that, I mean, you look at since they've returned to Winnipeg, the most they've gotten is that final or the conference final when they played the Vegas Golden Knights and lost. Other than that, they're in and out of the playoffs. They get to the postseason, but they never advance anywhere. So how many years are you going to be looking for mediocrity and, you know, making the playoffs, but getting bounced from the playoffs? Because at the end of the day, yes, making the playoffs is a positive but I don't know how big of a big of an accomplishment it is. I mean, uh, how many sixteen teams make the postseason in the NHL every year? That's like half and half. That is, you should be striving to make the postseason, and it's something that should be attainable, you know, on a consistent basis, which it is for the Winnipeg Jets. But proving that they can't get the job done at the end of the day, and not making any key you know, pickups, key trades year by year by year is also hindering this team because it's a roster that isn't changing. And, you know, the term is when it's not broke, don't fix it. What the Winnipeg Jets have right now is broke, but they're not fixing it. They're not trying to fix any of their errors. They're just sort of going by, getting to game day, playing their game, and then rolling on. There has to be some fix here with the Winnipeg Jets, that's that's for sure. So is rebuild too strong of a term? Perhaps restructuring at the very least has to happen with this team. And it has to happen sooner rather than later because there was a lot of optimism around this team that, you know, we could be championship contenders and they're going the wrong way opposed to going the right way. So something has to give. So what do you think gives? Do you think it's the leadership within the locker room that needs to go? Do they need to, well, I don't know, maybe try to find different scores? What's the, uh, what's the chat? Like what's, what's going on? For for me right now, and I, I know this is Jets Nation, but I, I want to compare it to the Chicago Blackhawks right now, a team that's right near the bottom of the central division, 
with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes. The Chicago Blackhawks have to get rid of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes. What is the reason that you keep them? You're not a championship contender. You're far from it. In fact, you're near the bottom of the league. Why do you keep two players that you could give, you could trade away for some excellent pieces and get something in return? I think the same thing for the Winnipeg Jets. Why? Sure, it stings. It sucks to get rid of long-term players and all-star players, but the return you're going to get where you could get some top-end prospects and even a pretty decent player at this point really could out the, the pros from that outweigh the cons because it, it's madness when you continue to do the same thing and it's not working and you just continue and continue and continue to do it time after time after time. That's what madness is. That's ha what's happening right now with the Winnipeg Jets. I think that's what's happening with the Chicago Blackhawks and not getting rid of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, two of, you know, dynamic players still in this league that could still get a fantastic return. Now, if you're the Jets, I'm not sure what player you want to package into something to get a real nice return, but I think that's something that this organization has to look into doing because it's plain and simple. This isn't a team that's going to go anywhere and, you know, might not even qualify for the playoffs this season. Yeah. Well, and like, cause like, again, you can't trade Blake. He has a no trade clause. His contract is way too heavy, but looking at someone like Mark Shifley, like, yeah, everyone loves him. He was a first overall pick for the jets. And obviously you would love to see the first guy drafted to be the guy that you ha like the first name you hang up in the rafters after, after you win the cup. But, if the Jets want to get that cup, they might have to sacrifice Shife. Well, yeah, and that's and that's and I understand that Winnipeg is you know loyal to Mark Shifley. He's done a great job with this organization when he's been on the ice. He's been a pretty good ambassador off the ice as well, playing in uh, various tournaments. But at the end of the day, you have to sometimes you have to part ways for the betterment of the franchise. It's clear to me, and I think Mark Shifley was a perfect, perfect, uh, perfect name to bring out bring up it's clear to me that he isn't leading this team to a championship so why not get two or three prospects ship him to a team that's trying to contend because Mark Shifley is an elite talent player he can help a team significantly offensively if they want to make a push for Lord Stanley and in turn the Jets get whether that be draft picks or prospects that have already been drafted but if you could pick up two or three of those you know that that just bodes well for the Jets in the future. I know rebuild is one of the most frustrating things any fan will ever hear. Nobody wants to hear that your team is going through a rebuild and there's going to be a lot of lackluster play and you know frustrating plays for a couple of years. But what what's more frustrating in the end? You know, being an okay team, maybe qualifying for the playoffs and getting bounced in the first at best second round year after year after year after year. Or, you know, tanking it, not tanking it for the lack of a better term, but struggling heavily for a couple of years, knowing you will, but getting through those growing pains, developing young talent, and then being a legit Stanley Cup contender year after year, three years down the line. In my opinion, I'm taking three years down the line because three years down the line, if the Jets stay on the same wave path they are right now, they're just going to get into the playoffs and lose first round. Who cares? What kind of accomplishment is that? You need to find a way 
to get through. Like the Florida Panthers developed some young talent, and now they're one of the best teams in the league. I think the Winnipeg Jets have to take the same approach. In my opinion, I'm not a GM for many reasons, but I think they have to take an approach of building talent, developing it, and you know, doing a better job than what they're doing right now. And I think Shifley would be a great piece to do so with. Yeah, I totally agree with the Shifley. I mean, like that's why I brought Shifley up. But um, you know, like uh, Tyler Uramchuk uh, wrote about um, the Florida Panthers GM last week at OilersNation.com. Definitely a good read. I will plug other nation networks here on this podcast. But um, yeah, absolutely. I just like like the the Jets have drafted so well, and we keep we always talk about uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff being this fantastic drafter, and then. You know, we've got all these draft picks and we keep throwing them away. Like, you know, Sammy Niku I, hasn't done a whole lot for Montreal, but he's there. Jack Roslovic in Columbus. He Well, he's again on the trading block, so I don't know. And just kind of disappointed that the Jets talk all this drafting stuff and then don't do anything with these guys. I mean, even Vinny Hainala, everyone's complaining that he wasn't getting enough ice time because Pagansky took it. Well, and, and that's the thing that that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's always talk that the Jets are doing such a wonderful job of drafting year after year. They get great draft picks, but yeah, they're they're not doing anything. They're not giving these players an opportunity. It's like they want they want to draft that player, and then they want him to be exactly what they want right off the bat. And if not, it's not good enough. The like the Jets have to do a better opportunity. Like Lewis for a few years. You're going to lose in the end. So just, you know, start off losing. Like the Detroit Red Wings, also another good scenario. They have been horrid for the last few years. And now they're pretty, like, they're not a good hockey club, but they're a young team that works hard that is pretty decent. So it's just one of those things where I know it gets revenue getting into the playoffs, but take a few years, rebuild. I'm using that word rebuild again because I don't think it would be a bad idea for the Jets. Do a rebuild, shuffle things up, make some changes, make some big changes, some blockbuster changes, and instead of just drafting, make some trades and build for the future and build for three years down the road where you can be a perennial powerhouse year after year after year. That's what Jets fans at the end of the day want to see because I don't think I'm the only Jets fan that believes this team isn't going anywhere in a hurry. They don't have what it takes in the minors. They don't have what it takes right now in the NHL to get the job done. They just don't have those top elite prospects to get the job done. So I think Winnipeg has to do a better job of getting those guys, giving them an opportunity, developing them like other organizations have led to success with and moving in that direction. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, trade off the the names right now and i don't i don't think it's i think they just a good restructure i i wouldn't go for the full rebuild but that's again that's you and i i believe that Ehlers and cop and i'm a and pierre luc dubois are like the great leaders in that room and even uh kyle connery seems a little bit dull but those i think those guys are a good core to have your team build around and again i think wheeler and shifley are just kind of on the edge of the room on this one yeah, and I mean, you know, why don't why not 
and yeah, and Wheeler's another one. Why not give him up to a, a team that wants to win a championship that has legitimate the championship aspirations and you know has the team to make it happen, but they need that one extra forward that can come down in crunch time. I mean, we know Blake Wheeler hasn't done a whole heck of a lot, was injured for a, a pretty long time, now back on the ice. But in, in the right situation, Blake Wheeler, I believe, could still get the job done. It's just not in Winnipeg. He needs to be a guy near the bottom of the lineup opposed to being a guy near the top of the lineup because he's not that player anymore, and that's as simple as that. He needs to be on the bottom six to have some success play you know, minimal minutes, but, you know, make some big plays in the playoffs. Not a top six guy that's So who's going to pick him up for? What's that? But who's going to pick him up for eight and a quarter? Who's going to pick him up for eight and a quarter million? Well, that, 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 even that if you, is also. Uh, if it gets hold back on half of that. Yeah, and that, that is also, you know, the million dollar question or in this that's the $8 million question, I guess. That's, that's a pretty hefty contract, but there is teams out there that have money and that, you know, need another player they need. Because at, at the end of the day, this these bot, bottom six players aren't talked about enough, but come the playoffs, you need those bottom six guys. You see so often that you see a fourth line, a fourth line grinder getting a huge goal, getting a game-winning goal, you know, a big fight, a big, a big shot on net, that pumps up the team and sometimes even wins this them's the series. You can't just run two lines in the playoffs like you can at times in the regular season. It doesn't work. You need to be chugging along with four lines. I think Blake Wheeler, I know it's a lot of money, as you mentioned, over $8 million, but if there's a fit in the NHL for some team that needs a player in the bottom six, I know it's a lot of money to give to a bottom six player, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, how much money you're going to be making if you make a Stanley Cup run, all the revenue and all that sorts of thing, all the merch sales go through the roof. So I hate giving, you know, as a GM, paying eight mil to get Blake Wheeler to, you know, be on my bottom six. But it's a move that if I was in a in a situation that I could win a championship, I think adding some veteran presence is going to be beneficial. And again, it goes to that thing. I, I believe the pros outweigh the cons in that situation well the other thing to consider with wheeler is he also has a no trade movement clause so he'd have to give that up so like there's just so many factors with wheeler and that's why i think he's the impossible contract to move so like that's why shifley's like if i'm going to make a big shakeup for the for the longevity of the jets it has to be shifley and then i don't know what you do after that because at this point like you don't i, I personally wouldn't want to give up kyle connor Andrew Kopp or uh, PLD. No, but I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get enough just giving up Mark Shifley. Like, I don't think that's going to, you're going to get enough to make a huge, huge difference, whether that be prospects or uh, high draft picks. I, I, I really do think you have to give, get away two players. And I know Mark Shifley, that's, or no, sorry, uh, Blake Wheeler. That's realistically, you know, I ramble on about it. But Blake Wheeler likely isn't going anywhere. It's it's not going to be a contract that's going to be possible to give up. So all me just talking is all hypotheticals. It's very likely not going to happen. But there has to be someone else in that room. I know you don't want to give him up, but maybe a guy like Andrew Kopp. Like I think Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois at this point are probably untouchable. So you could get a pretty good payback for Andrew Kopp as well. He's obviously 
isn't paid as highly. So perhaps you could get something for him and he's going to add a lot to the right team. But I believe you have to at least give up two players that, no, you don't want to, but tough decisions have to be made. And tough decisions are made by winning GMs and winning organizations. So it, something something has to give. I think it's more than just Mark Shifley, in my opinion. So uh, you bring up um, Cop. Like, if the Jets aren't planning to make the playoffs, do you you got to ship him out, right? There's yeah, absolutely. There's no. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, the Jets have to realize that. May okay, sure, maybe you make the playoffs, but it goes back to what I've reiterated many times. I mean, Cop's having a real nice last ten game stretch. He has four goals and three assists in his last five games. He has three goals and two assists. So this guy has some, you know, elite offensive talent. But if you're the Jets, I, I think it honestly just uh, – it just you, – you need to you need to man up. You need to step up and say, we're not, not where we need to be. We're not a team that's going to make any, you know, sort of noise at all come to the playoffs. So you have to, I think, suck up some pride at this point. And realize that moves have to be made or else it's just going to be the same mediocrity year by year by year. And also at that same time, it's hard to entice top-end players to come to an organization when that said player doesn't see a pathway to winning a championship. Well, that and it's not 40 here. So who really wants to come up to Manitoba for six months of winter? <laughs> Yeah, that's also that's also another thing too. Yeah, it is bone dry and cold. Yeah, can't really uh, entice Jumbo Joe to come up here. I think his uh, joints would start freezing up, and he'd just be done. So better <laughs> off in Florida. <laughs> and what a cool story it is too um, with him with Florida. But, yeah, well, speaking of old time players, I know we briefly talked about the. You mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers, but uh, Keith Yandel playing, uh, tying the Ironman record. 448 games, I believe. Yeah, you, you love to see that from Keith. Uh, just a warrior, a proven warrior. Uh, from from what what everything I've seen, also is a, a pretty good gentleman as well. So you need players like that in the league that uh, you know trust the process and go through the grind and ultimately play that many games. So uh, all all the respect in the world for Yandel. It's pretty cool what he's uh, what he's doing. And, uh, I, I love these kind of stories there. They're feel-good stories. They're like goosebump stories where it just sort of warms your heart. Well, and shout out Phil the Thrill, too. He's now in third for all-time uh, Ironman record. Of the guy that loves to eat his hot dogs, he can sure play. Oh, uh, Phil, you know, Phil, It's uh, the talk is how many hot dogs did he have in that one day? I guarantee I had more hot dogs than him yesterday. I didn't even eat hot dogs, but just theoretically, <laughs> but... <laughs> Phil's still, uh, you know, still an elite offensive talent. Uh, you know, doesn't have the wheels by means, but he can finish. And I, I'd love to see him go to a team that has, you know, championship uh, championship aspirations. Because I've always been a Phil the Thrill fan. Honestly, I like uh, the way he goes about his business. He he finds a way to get the job done offensively. So I'd like to see him also being shipped to a team that can win a title. Yeah. I know I wrote about it at one point. Maybe the Jets should chase after Phil the Thrill just for just for fun. 
was like, yeah, just chip Wheeler for uh, Phil Kessel. Be a great trade. And I got ripped apart for that one. So that's not a trade that's ever going to happen here in Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay, so Luke Dubois, he's been a real menace lately. What are the odds he picks up the C when Wheeler retires? Oh, you're on mute for some reason. I think we've lost uh, Darnell. Ah, yes, I was on mute. Oh, there we go. What a Oops. silly, what a silly excuse for not talking, being on mute. Silly me, but yeah, I know you know Pierre's done a, a really nice job. Two way always doing. He's you know a two way forward has three goals in those last ten games. But I, I I think there's a very very minimal chance that he gets to see. I think. A guy like Kyle Connor uh, goes before PLD, a guy who is an all-star this year, gets the point production. And I know being a captain isn't about the points at all times. I understand that it's about being the leader in the room. But I also think it can help a guy like, like uh, you know, Kyle Connor. I think being a captain of a team is, is a high honor. There's no doubt about that. And I think that could perhaps even, you know, give him that much more confidence and that much more feel to push things to the next level. So I think once Blake is gone, I, I really do believe that, you know, PLD is, is an option, but I do believe Kyle Connor has to be the front runner. That's, that's just my humble opinion. Okay. Interesting. I just thought with like the amount of the fact that he's out there and he's a, he feels like a firecracker on the ice game in game out. And pretty much since the day that he started wearing number 80, he's just, he's been a phenomenal. And I thought, like, if he can keep this up for the next two to three seasons that um, Blake goes down, I just, I think PLD gets the C. No, no, for sure. He's a good option. I just. Like Kyle uh, Connor's not a bad option, but PLD feels a little bit more safe. And I know this is, this is a long time down the road, but that's just what I was thinking this week. And I mean, you know, safe is, safe is a word, but I think right now, the Jets are in, in general terms are being safe. Like they're, they're being safe as far as, you know, having a good enough team to get into the playoffs. But I think you need someone. I, I think, you know, some big changes need to be now. I think Pierre Luke Dubois would be more of a, a vocal leader for sure than uh, Kyle Connor. But I just like the way Connor goes about his business, gets the job done. You don't really, you know, in the media, you don't hear a whole lot about him. So, I just like the way he gets the job done. Now, I think PLD would also be a good option, but my front runner is Kyle Connor. And, you know, obviously pretty premature chatting about this, but I think when the time comes that Wheeler does, you know, ultimately, you know, say my career is over, I like Kyle Connor getting that chance. Right on. All right. Well, we're going to skip over the hypothetical question again. Again this week because we're running at uh, 50 minutes already. Um, so the uh, Jets have the Florida Panthers, the Canucks, and the St. Louis Blues coming up before we talk again on this podcast. What's the record after after this week? Based on how they're playing, I think you know for sure you get the job. Well, I, I don't want to say for sure. It depends what kind of lineup the Canucks have because of COVID issues. But I think ultimately. They're going to at least earn one point in that game, but I, I just don't think the Blues are pretty hot right now against the Calgary Flames right now. And 
obviously the Florida Panthers, their season has been well-documented, having a, a fantastic season. So I think the Jets don't – I don't think they're going to upset either of those teams this week. And it seems like every week I'm saying, you know, the Jets aren't going to pull off an upset against a team that's far superior to them. But I believe this is another week I'm going to stay – I'm going to stay pat that uh, the Jets aren't going to make an upset win against the Panthers or the Blues. But I think they'll get at least – at least one point against the Canucks. One point out of a possible six. See, I think they could go for a possible three. I I think with the way that the Jets are buzzing right now, they could potentially take the Florida Panthers to town. The The Florida Panthers have just been on this weird ebb and flow right now. They spanked the Oilers last week, and then didn't they end up losing to the Canucks the next night? I do believe and even so. The, or they, I know for a fact they lost the Flames. So, this, I don't know. I can... I'd love to see three points. And I think, you know, that, that could be a changer for the Jets. And, you know, it would be a sure positive if they could find a way to get, you know, past the Panthers. I just, I don't think this is the week that we're going to see any major movement up from this team. All right. Well, we'll see what happens by next week. I'm saying Jets go to, uh, yeah, I say they pick up three points. It's safe. Um, and since we're getting close to the end, uh, final segment, hot and cold performers of the week. You got any for us there, Darnell? Well, my cold performer, hands down, Jim Matheson. It's not even. Well, let's hear close. about it since everyone else talked about it. It, it, it's not even close what he his, his talk with uh well not his talk his in his, in his post game presser with Leon Draisaitl who obviously is I love how Draisaitl goes about the game I think he'd be he's a great player to lead around I think I would if I was going to build a team I prefer Draisaitl over McDavid I know a lot of people are going to say whoa 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 you're silly that's a silly comment but I'm going to stay pat in that I'll chat about that you know in the future again but the fact that what Matheson was trying to do is get Dreisaitl to throw his team under the bus. Dreisaitl is a consummate professional. He's not going to do that. Sure, he's frustrated. Really, what Matheson was doing is poking at a bear. And when he didn't get the response he wanted to, he called Dreisaitl pissy. But Matheson, at the same time, was being the one that was pissy. Dreisaitl wasn't just wasn't you know, giving in to Matheson's agenda. What a joke of a, a, a situation that was for uh, a reporter that's been here for a long time. He's covered a lot of games, done some great things, but that has to be one of the low spots of his reporting career. And he, he was dismantled on social media, on Twitter, uh, absolutely dismantled, even on Facebook as well. Some of the comments were uh, not too nice at all. So I think it was a, a pretty poor Poor situation for Matheson. I don't like how he went around that way. I mean, to call Dreisaitl pissy for not giving in. I think I think Dreisaitl showed what kind of person he was by not just, you know, shitting on his teammates and saying what was wrong. I think he did a real nice job. He was still going to answer other questions. But Matheson, that was a, a low blow. And I think he at the end he got low blown because that was uh, some poor poor decisions by the veteran broadcaster. Yeah, well, considering that he's a Hockey Hall of Famer as well for reporting, it's uh, yeah, not a good look on uh, Matheson. And like, I know you do interviews with the 
the Dolphin Kings here in town. If you were to ask a player why he pissed after losing eight in a row, seven in a row, whatever it was, would you still have a job? Well, I think, and I, I'm by no, you know, I've had a few years experience, but, and, but to be, to be a guy who's how, however long he's been doing this, I would say he's probably at least, at least 30 years, maybe not more. What, 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 what would make you think that a player's struggling, the team has been woeful and you're going to ask him what is going wrong? How do you think he's going to respond? And Dreisaitl could have given, because I've asked some bad questions and I've been told those are bad questions. That's okay. That's what happens to us reporters. But to try and poke, continue to poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, that is just silly and that's just stupid from someone who's supposed to be a reputable broadcaster. He just took a strop, uh, a step the wrong way. So that is, that's a pretty tough situation for Matheson. I mean, don't ask when someone's struggling. The worst thing, the last thing they want to be asked is why are you struggling? You don't think Dreisaitl knows that they're struggling? He's the one on the ice trying to win a hockey game, but they're not winning. He's pissed off, and you're just trying to take him one step further. Completely unprofessional from Matheson. He's an X on my Colt performers. Love it. Well, I was going to say Logan Stanley was my Colt performer of the week, and then... The incident down in the ECHL with Jacob Panetta. Is that how you say it? Panetta, yeah. Either way, uh, if you haven't heard, yeah. Uh, he Racial comments towards uh, Malcolm Subban's brother, Jordan uh, Subban. And just like, really? I thought we were past this. It's 2022. Can we not? Can we just stop? <laughs> like... I know I've done a lot of growth in the last couple of years, but at least I admit when I was wrong instead of continuing to make obscene and saying obscene things. So, yeah. But I'm glad the uh, Jacksonville Iceman ended up cutting that guy and uh, his contract. Well, and what he's doing is he's just, he's trying to defend. He said sorry, which was just, well, of course he's going to say sorry. It's just scripted. You can almost tell with how he was looking it was scripted on a teleprompter by his agent or something to try and, you know, get the best out of the, the media. But, and then, it, but he's also trying to sort of defend himself and absolutely despicable. There, there is no place. There is no time for that crap anywhere anymore. It's as simple as that. He's, he crossed the line so yeah, hard. So, and he needs to be penalized yeah. to the highest de degree. Yeah, yeah. So if he never gets to play a game of professional hockey again, whatever. We're not losing out on it, and especially with like the hockey versus alliance and all of that good stuff. Like it's just like, oh, like we're trying so hard, we're taking the right steps, and yet there's still these morons that think this is an acceptable way to live. So just I mean, heartbreaking. Probably, and uh, up, somebody make about it. Cut, cut. Do you think even like the KHL would take him? Because like I know the bad teams in the K, but like they can't be that bad if they're taking ECHL players. Maybe Belarus. I mean, there's there's some teams that, uh, and and I've seen some tape of Panetta. He's a pretty he's a pretty he's a pretty good hockey league player. And I mean, the ECHL I think is you know pretty under cocked. It's not it's not a an amazing league, but it is a pretty decent league. You have some pretty good players playing in that league. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he, 
I don't think he should play on this side of the pond ever again. I, uh, you know, I believe in giving second chances and all that sorts of thing, but it depends what you do. Now, it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. with where we are, he doesn't deserve another chance here. I know he's going to, going to you know, go through player assistance program and all that sorts of thing, and they're going to say, yeah, he's grown and all that. But with where we are right now, um, just completely despicable. So he's a big X too. Him and Matheson are the big X's of the week. Yeah. Big X's of the week. Well, and your Hopper Farmers of the Week there. Now, I chatted about it before, and when it came up when we were talking about uh, goaltenders playing the puck. Now, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, I also mentioned it, a goaltender played the puck, but actually something good happened out of it because he scored the first goal in Alberta Junior Hockey League history by goaltender Tristan Martin. Real cool Story picked up the puck from behind his own net and then uh, ensued it by putting it in the back of the net and the opposing team. And he's also done a pretty nice job this year. He's 10 and three with the 267 goals against average, playing on a Spruce Grove Saints team that's first in their division ahead of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. So Tristan Martin is my hot take of their hot uh, pick of the week. Congratulations, young bud, on uh, your goalie goal. Pretty cool. It doesn't happen, it's never happened in the history of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So no matter what happens for the rest of your life, Tristan, you're the first to do it in AJHL history. So pretty cool uh, accomplishment. The team won the game as well, which is a cherry on top. Um, so he's certainly my check mark of the week. Yeah, that, I got that was a sweet little goal. I, I mean, you and I talked about it during uh, one of the broadcasts this weekend. Uh where the, the call of the game actually just wasn't as phenomenal as we were kind of hoping it would be. So that one thing, I guess we can sour on that, but you got to check out that first NH or uh, a a J a H L holy a J H L goal. It's definitely worth, uh, worth checking it out. Um, but my hot performer of the week, I want to give it to uh, Nathan ball. You uh, the other uh, yesterday playing against, the Penguins, he had the fight with, I believe, uh, Brian Boyle and stopped the fight when he realized Brian Boyle was hurt. So it was like, good on you for catching that, not like playing a guy that's already got bum's shoulder. So Nathan Ball, you, you're a good guy this week. Well, and it's, it's, it's sort of like last year. Remember when Ehlers picked out the player out of the bunch after that uh, after that big hit? Oh, yeah. After, uh, that, yeah, after that Dane Evans hit. Yep. So good guys all around. That is the one thing that I do love. Yeah, like that's one thing I do love about the Jets. Is, like even you look at Matty Hendricks, uh, just they always just bring in the, these beauties of people that are just they've got good hearts. I know Blake Wheeler covered someone's groceries over the summer. It's just like these little things all the Jets players do. I, I got a lot of respect for them. I love them. Yeah, for sure. Those are those are heartwarming stories. I just I wish the hearts heartwarming stories came along with you know, perhaps a championship or something of that caliber, but you know, still, still like to see the stories. Still pretty yeah. humbling. Yeah, well, we can help one of these days. One day, one day. Yeah, absolutely. One day, one day, we will have a Stanley Cup here in Manitoba, and hopefully before Vancouver and Toronto get their cups. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can only hope. <laughs> you can only hope. We can only hope. 
well, that's pretty much pretty much it for me. I do want to say I'm going to be on another podcast uh, later, I believe next week on Wednesday or Tuesday. I'm going to be talking to uh, JD, JD Talking Sports. Uh, Got to check out his podcast. He talks a lot of American sports, lots of college ball. But uh, if you're interested in that, definitely check him out on Instagram. And I believe you can find his podcast on YouTube as well. Right on. Enjoy that. I that uh, I shall. That's uh, the first official interview as a as a part of the Jets Nation. So that's pretty darn cool. Um, go me. <laughs> <laughs> but, Love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you got anything else you want to take on before we head out tonight? No, I just uh, you know I, I I enjoy coming to the show every week. It's a, a pleasure of mine. I always look forward to eight thirty Manitoba time on Mondays and. Uh, Looking forward to next weekend's show and appreciate everyone that tunes in. Yeah. Should be great. And uh, yeah, uh, tell your friends, tell your family and uh, give us a rating on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're getting your stuff from because little subscriptions and likes help us a lot. Uh, have yourself a great one. And I will talk to you soon. Peace. I believe we are out. Beauty. Yes. End broadcast. Beauty. All right, buddy. All right. Yeah, we'll talk one. to you. And I'll see you Thursday. Sounds good. See you there. Back yeah. Ciao.